Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. And Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. He gave the, the Old Testament sacrifice with burn. And it would burn up to where it was all gone. And when it was all gone, it was completely consumed. So the sacrifice is, it's the ideal is this, I'm completely given over. And God says, look, I gave all of you. I died on the cross. I, I gave everything I could possibly give. I died on the cross. And so when he tells us, I want you to love the way I love as an offering and a sacrifice. And then he tells us this, that it's a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. And the sacrifice of the Old Testament to the Lord was a sweet smelling aroma. Have you ever walked by a bakery and had to stop just to take a few deep breaths? There you were, right on the sidewalk, inhaling all of the amazing smells coming from the inside. Maybe the aroma of chocolate chip cookies reminds you of your grandmother's kitchen. Or the smell of fresh baked bread makes you feel warm and cozy. In today's message, Pastor Bill talks about how your love for others creates a sweet-smelling aroma. It drifts up to heaven. Not only is it pleasing to God, but it smells better than fresh baked bread. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. As he begins his message, walk in love. So for you guys that have been kind of going through the book of Ephesians with us, and I, I just want to continue to reiterate this, that we, we looked at for the first three chapters, all that God has done for us, made available to us. Then as we got to chapter 4, that the book of Ephesians would transition in chapters 4, 5, and 6, we would now be looking at this is what God expects from us. And I just I keep reiterating it because it's important to know that before God asks anything of us, it's important that we know what he's already done for us. Because if I don't understand what God has done for me, I haven't received that. And I, I'm over here getting rules of what God wants from me. That's legalism and religion because I don't understand who he is, what he's done or why I would want to live this way. But when I'm over here and I understand that God loved me when I was unlovely. Uh, when I was dead in my trespasses and sins, he made me alive together with Christ. And when I was lost, he made me to seat. He seated me in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And when I learn of all these things that God has done for me, then it's like I come over here and God says, now, Bill, you know, this is now my expectation for you. I want you to live this way. I want you to walk this way. I want you to behave this way. Now it's being I'm responding to God's goodness. And God says now in response to all that I've done for you, this is my expectation upon you. Amen. So we follow that. It's just a gospel mindset that we're we're responding to. We're not we're not earning. We're, even as we look at some things today, some there's going to be some difficult things. Um, there may be some things that challenge your lifestyle. Um, and that's OK. You know, the Lord challenges your lifestyle. We want to step up and, and align ourselves with him. But these are all things that are being we're being called upon as people that that are saved, that are forgiven, that God is God has loved us with an amazing love. And so I want us to hear it that way. But look at. Ephesians chapter five, we're going to look at verses one through seven, and I titled the message this morning, Walk in Love, and, and we'll see why as we as we begin through this section this morning. So we have to look back at verse 32 because it, it points us back. The first word in uh, chapter five is therefore, and uh, you guys already know whenever you see the word therefore, you got to look back. So look back at chapter four, verse 32, and it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And then it says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And you guys know when the when the scriptures were originally written, there was no chapter and verse breaks. So it wasn't, you know, Paul didn't start over at chapter five 
it's just rolling straight through. It's a letter that he wrote all the way through to the Ephesians. And so he points back to last week and says, it was last week for us. Say, look, I want you guys to be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving each other. Who's the example of forgiveness? Even as God in Christ forgave you. Then it says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And the idea, the context for imitating God, we're looking at his love. We're looking at God's forgiveness. We're looking at, you know, hasn't God been tenderhearted towards us? You guys think about that. Think about what you are, what you were, what you've been and how God's been to you. Right. He's been tenderhearted. Hasn't he forgiven you? I hope y'all know y'all been forgiven. I hope you've been forgiven. You know, and, and so we look back at whatever was back there. God says, man, I'm forgiving you. And now it says, look, be imitators of God. And he tells us how. I like, guess a qualifier as dear children. The word imitators, it literally means mimics or minds. And so it's the idea of copying someone. And he says, as dear children. And so we all know that children, one of the ways children learn is by mimicking, by copying. Children look at what you do and they do it. You know, anybody's got a little baby. I was planning this and looking over it. I was remembering when when Harmony was really a, a little tiny baby, you know, we would make I would make a frown face and then she would frown up her little face. And it was just funny because she wasn't mad. She was just copying what you were doing. You know, you made a frown. She she crinkled up her little forehead and made a little baby frown. And we thought it was so cute, you know, that she would do that. Some of you guys have heard before, you know, BJ, when he was young, I came home one day. I would I would come home at lunch from work. And I came home one day at lunch and BJ went in the kitchen where my wife was and he smacked her on the bottom and said, hey, babe. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, that's that's exactly what I do. I said, bro, you, you, need, to, you, need, to, you need to get out of my kitchen, homie. You know, so but he was you know, I couldn't even say nothing. It was it was an exact copy of this is what dad comes home and does. And so he went in and he cut me in line and smacked my wife on the bottom. And said, I had to have a talk with him and said, don't, don't, don't do this anywhere else. You know, we'll, we'll be getting bad calls, you know. So they were imitating. And so God says, look, like children imitate. And many of you guys that have children, I'm sure you look and see yourself in your kids. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Right. And, and so maybe you see attitudes that you have in your kids. I look at both of my parents and I can see things that I got from them. My mother, sense of humor. My dad, you know, I, I can look at parts of my character and my demeanor that my, I get from both of my parents, you know. Stuff that wasn't necessarily taught, it was just caught, just watched it and it became me, right? God says now, as children of God, because you had earthly parents that you imitated and copied and you learned stuff from, but now you got God as your father. Now you're in a relationship with the Lord and he says, look, be imitators of God. As dear, as dear children, and for you and I, Jesus is going to be the example for us in many of the things that we're going to look at today. We look to the example of Christ. We look to the gospel. We get in that an example of how to live. So be imitators of God as dear children. Look at verse two. It says, walk in love and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. And so here we're told, which is, you know, going to, you know, kind of be the, the topic of this section to walk in love. And obviously, Jesus is going to be the example of walk in love. The rest of what we're going to look at in verse, you know, all the way to verse seven is, is really explaining what it looks like. We're going to learn what it doesn't look like to walk in love and what it does look like to walk in love. But he says, look, walk in love as Christ has also loved us. And so Christ gets to be the example already and give it himself for us. And so one thing we know about the kind of love that God wants us to walk in, biblical love, it gives. Um, every time the Bible seeks to demonstrate to us God's love for us, it's always telling us what he gave up for us, what he did for us. 
Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love for us. Now, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's love is always giving for the benefit of, of those that are under his love. We could ask ourselves, do I love like that? Do I love sacrificially? Do I love people in a, in a biblical, in a sacrificial way? He says, I want you to um, ask, just like Christ also loved us and has given himself for us. And it gives us two ways, an offering. It says an offering, and then it says, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And these, these two things are a little bit different. The offering, back in the Old Testament, offering was something you would have offered up. It was free will. It could have been an offering. It could have been an offering for reconciliation. It could have been a peace offering. A grain offering would be offered up as just kind of a, a peace offering or a fellowship offering to the Lord. Just something I want to give to the Lord. It's an offering. I'm, I'm, I'm just willingly offering this up to the Lord. And so God says, I, I give myself up in that way. But then he says a sacrifice. The sacrifice always has the idea of death, something that died. He says, I, I've loved you guys in this way. He's given himself first as an offering. He was willing to do it. There could be reconciliation. There could be forgiveness. And that's what the offering would many times do. If you had some kind of issue or beef, you would deal with an offering. It was for reconciliation. And so God wants us to love like that. But then he says also a sacrifice. And Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. He gave the, the Old Testament sacrifice would burn. And it would burn up to where it was all gone. And when it was all gone, it was completely consumed. So the sacrifices, it's the ideal is this, I'm completely given over. And God says, look, I gave all of me. I died on the cross. I, I gave everything I could possibly give. I died on the cross. And so when he tells us, I want you to love the way I love. As an offering and a sacrifice. And then he tells us this, that it's a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. And the sacrifice of the Old Testament to the Lord was a sweet smelling aroma. And it's interesting because, you know, we're made in the image of God and we, we can kind of understand these things. When the holidays come up, anybody ever notice like Fourth of July come up and you walk outside and you, can, you just get smell in the air that your neighbors got the they got the thing going. You know, I walk outside and I know that, man, somebody is doing something yummy. You know, someone is it, it's a good smelling aroma. And I, I wonder if during the time of sacrifice, that's not the smell that was just in the air. As they were, you know, God was barbecuing pretty much all these lambs and and oxen and you know, all this stuff. It probably smelled like a huge, delicious barbecue, you know, all the time. And so God says, when we offer that, right, when, when you're when you're forgiving, when you're just kind of sacrificially forgiving people, when you're dying to yourself for there to be reconciliation with with other people, God says it's a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. So then what does it smell like when we don't do this? Right. Because there's an alternate, right? The, there are things that God says are a stench in his nostrils. But this is a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. And so we want to walk in this way. We want our love to be acted out in ways that are, we're willing to, we're willing to walk in, in the way of reconciliation. We're willing to offer forgiveness to those that need forgiveness from us. God wants his people to be a reflection of him, right? We are the people of God and God says, this is what I'm like. This is what I do. And I want you to imitate me. I want you guys to be a reflection of what I am. I've, I've been gracious to you. I want you to be gracious. I've forgiven you. I want you to be a forgiven people, right? We know in the gospel, there's a story where a king forgave somebody of a debt, right? And he owed a debt. He couldn't pay it. And the king forgave him. And then it says this guy saw one of his companions coming down the road that owed him in comparison to what he owed, owed him a very small amount. And he took him and said, put him in put him in prison until he pays me all. And when the king heard it, he was furious. And he took that man and says he gave him to the torturers until he could pay all. And it says, so will God do likewise to you if you don't forgive each other from the heart. 
right? We have to, forgiveness is for the believer is not optional. It's, uh, it's required. You know, we were doing this not too long ago in, in our discipleship class. You know, when God tells us, when we pray in the midst of the, our father prays to forgive us our trespasses as what? As we forgive those. And then after it, he says, if you won't forgive men their trespasses, what does he say? Neither will your father in heaven forgive you. Can any of us afford that? I can't. You know, ain't no, none of us here because y'all all still sin every day. I know it, you know. <laughs> so we can't, I can't afford to not be able to be forgiven. So we have to be forgiven. So God says, look, imitate me. Walk in the way that I'm showing you how to live the Christian life. This is what I expect from you. I have forgiven you. I have been gracious for you. I have died in your place. And so, yeah, I have an expectation that you're going to offer that same thing to, to those that are going to need it from you. And so now look at verse three. It says, now we get a but, so we get a transitional word, and we're going to learn what love doesn't look like, what it doesn't look like to work and walk in love. And I'm going to just say right up front, a lot of the things that we're going to talk touch on right now are sexual in nature. And we live in a society much like the Ephesian society where love was convoluted with sexual connotations. It, we're not much different than the Ephesian culture and society where it was carnal, it was sexually perverse. And as people got saved and came to church, they need to be taught and told that this is what's okay, this is what's not. So some of the things that we're going to cover right now, I hope that you know we'll hear it in that tone. God's saying this is not what love looks like. So look at verse 3. It says, but fornication and all uncleanness and or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. And so I want to look at each of these words real quick. They do have a sexual connotation. Obviously fornication. Fornication is this. It is sex outside of marriage. So if you're not married and you have sex, that's fornication, right? Do we all agree? What if you're engaged to the person? It's still fornication, right? What if you live with them because you're going to marry them real soon? Still fornication. What if they bought you a ring and they really serious this time? It's still fornication, right? If you haven't made your way to the altar, took vows before God, it's fornication. Amen? Amen. All right. I just want to be real clear. He says that fornication is not to be named among us. Now, I, I could add to the list, you know, but I, I'll just leave it the way it is here. Fornication is sex with someone you're not married to. Adultery is sex with someone that's married. Or if you're married and having sex with someone that you're not married to, that's adultery. In the other list like this, adultery is always added. So fornication, he says, let that not be named among you. And so I would just say this to our our single people, because much like their culture, people had sex before they got married. People lived together before they got married and everything else. We live in a culture right now where. That you see more of that than you do of people waiting to get married. The models that you see, if you watch a lot of TV shows, if you watch a lot of movies, all the romance movies and love, you'll see a lot more people having sex that are not married than people that are married having sex. For whatever reason, there's nothing exciting on TV about two married people, you know, doing what married folk do. But it's something really exciting about two unmarried people doing it. So that's what they put on the screen. That's what people watch. And then after a while, you sow that into your heart and mind and you, that's, that becomes your, your thing. I, I want somebody. I want, to, I want to go out. You sow that into your heart and mind. That's what you're going to be feeling like. You need to know that the Bible says that that's fornication. And this is why it's unloving. We're going to continue down the list. In just a moment, he's going to tell us that what's at stake is people that live in fornication are not going to heaven. Right? That's what's at stake. So if I love somebody. So if you're single or, or, you're, or you're with someone that you want to marry and you guys are going out and you love each other, love them enough to see them in heaven. 
right? Love them enough to say, I'm not going to do something with you that if you do this as a lifestyle, the Bible's telling me very plainly that you will not inherit the kingdom. And if I'm doing it with you, I'm not going to inherit the kingdom. That wouldn't be love, right? Love somebody enough to abstain. And if you're single, I would encourage you that you would wait on the Lord to bring someone to your life that values your relationship with the Lord too. You know, that they value the fact that I, I want you to be good with God. I don't want to do something that violates your relationship with the Lord. And, you know, and when you guys find that person, you guys bring them here. We'll counsel you for free and we'll get you off on, the, on a marriage and it'll be all good. You know, so but that's that's God's way. Right. God's way is not what we see happening all around us. And so he says but fornication. Then he says all uncleanness. Uncleanness here is not it's not just, you know, like a dirty house. You know, it's, it's a sexual uncleanness. And the idea here can have the idea of immoral acts. Uh, it can have the idea of pornography, looking at things The uncleanness can be participated in with somebody. It's just lewd behavior, sexual behavior outside of, of the realm of what's biblical. And so it could be uncleanness in my relationship to other people, it could be uncleanness in how I'm viewing. This can encompass pornography. This can encompass looking at things that, you know, looking at pictures that, that are inappropriate or looking at people in an inappropriate way. It says all uncleanness. Why is that not love? This is why, right? If you look at, now obviously I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting anybody look at pornography, but if we look at what pornography is, right? The individuals that are in it, those are human beings. Those people have souls. And to participate in their demise, they, I mean, you, you look at those things and wonder why. Some of these people are doing it for drug money. Some of these people are doing it because it's how they're getting by. At the end of the day, that's a human being that God loves, and you're participating. It may, it may seem like, well, I'm not doing anything to anybody. You're participating in that. That's uncleanness, right? If that's a habit, if that's a lifestyle, that's something that you need to be looking to the Lord for deliverance and to be set free. That's something that needs to be repented of and turned away from because that falls under uncleanness, which we'll find out in just a moment. If that's a lifestyle, just those who practice those things are not going to inherit the kingdom. That can't be, that can't be how we get down. This is not to, typify Christian behavior. He's going to say in a moment, let it not even be named among you. It's, it's not fitting for saints, for believers. These things are not fitting for us. So it shouldn't be the norm that you roll up in a church and find, you know, couples all over the place that live together that are not married. I've been accused of before making people uncomfortable. I, I want you to be. If you live, you're here and you live together in sin, I want you to be uncomfortable because because it's not you're not in a good place with the Lord. If you're living with someone, you're not married, you're fornicating. Don't be comfortable here. I would, I'd, rather, I'd rather you repent and get right. I, I, if you married, you comfortable. Why? Because ain't nothing to be uncomfortable about. You know, so if you living in that way, it should be uncomfortable. Right. Because when you die and stand before God, you're going to really be uncomfortable. And so I'd rather, I would rather you be uncomfortable here and repent now than to find yourself before the Lord saying, oh, man, he meant that. Uh, because we live in a time right now where people are bending the rules, even churches. They're laying the Bible aside and well, you know what? That's kind of the old way of thinking. You know, I do watch a lot of Christian TV, Christian radio, particularly I listen to stuff that I don't necessarily agree with. But there's a I listened to a guy in Compton. He was on a radio program. and He basically is telling people like back in the olden days, you know, where you had to be married first. That's his. He was telling people on this that that was the old idea, but that not today. And I was like, you know, obviously he had no verses to support this. And so. I would just imagine that's going to be a church full of folk that that are that are thinking that this is OK to do that. This is the new idea. You can move in and test drive it and, you know, see if it's see if it's right for you before you commit. I just want you all to know that's not the biblical idea 
And I, I only say biblical idea because there's kind of a, there's a command and a mandate. God don't have ideas. God has a, this is the way it is. This is what it looks like. So we live in a world right now where, you know, people say, well, you don't have to get married. You don't have to do that. Or you can, you know, you can marry, you know, if you're a guy, you can, you can marry a guy. You can love whoever you want, right? And again, when we look at the biblical idea of love, real love is not going to participate in something with someone else that's going to cause them to be eternally separated from God. That would no longer be love. And so if I understand that that behavior will result in eternal separation, then it would be very unloving to continue in it with you in the name of love. Fornication, that's uncleanness. The last one is covetousness. Now, we normally think of covetousness in the, in the idea of greed for money, but that's not the way it's used here. The way it's used here is the same way that it's used in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, where it says, do not covet your neighbor's wife. The idea here is it's not just coveting stuff. It's, it's wanting someone else's partner. It's wanting uh, what belongs to someone else. If you're married and unhappy in your marriage, if you're a husband unhappy with your wife or a wife that's unhappy with your husband, you can't be looking over at somebody else and saying, well, I sure like how he does. I sure like how she does, you know, whatever. God says, no, that's that's coveting. That would be unloving. That's unloving in two ways. It's unloving to the person that you're in commitment with. And it's unloving to that other person and their spouse. And God says, let, let that not be named among you. Right. These things, they shouldn't be typical of behavior within the body of believers. The rest of verse three says, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. And so. Paul says, let, let these behaviors, don't even let this be named among you. I think it's important as believers that, you know, if somebody is a non-believer, I don't really challenge them on their lifestyle. When I'm talking to a non-believer, I'm sharing the gospel. But when I'm talking to people that have named the name of Christ, that have said Jesus is Lord, then we would challenge them on these behaviors. We would not let that slide. Somebody rolled up in here off the street and they weren't born again and they were, I don't care what their behavior is. They don't even know the Lord. I want to share the gospel with them. I'm not even worried about their lifestyle yet, but give your life to the Lord. And now it's like, hey, now this is the expectation. Now we're Christians. This is what God expects of us. And so moving on now, he moves into a he switches directions. So he dealt with the more physical, sexual things. In verse four, it says neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And now he deals with the things that really flow from out of your heart. The Bible says that from the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. Things that come out of your mouth are really a, a reflection of what's happening in your heart. And so if you're a person that, you know, things that come up, you're Eeyore. How you doing? Oh, you know, it's just, <laughs> and that's, just if that's, if that's how you always sound. That's a reflection of your heart. That's not a good reflection for a child of God. Right. That's not what we shouldn't be sounding like that. You know, even if, you know, things are going difficult. Bible says we're to give thanks in all things. You know, there, there should always be a praise on the lip of the child of God. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But these other things that he deals with are worse than just kind of being an Eeyore. These things are unfitting for believers. And so the first one is filthiness. This could be dirty stories, sexual jokes, obscene things like that. Filthiness. This is filthiness out of your language. It could also encompass foul language. And so God said, look, that, that's not fitting for believers. This shouldn't be the way that we speak. I know for many of us, maybe before we got saved, maybe we told, we talked like this, we played around like this. But as you come to the Lord, God says, now there, there should be something new happening. And we need to watch what comes out of our mouth, that this isn't walking in love. This isn't loving to speak in this way. Why? Because now if I'm telling filthy stories and I'm telling things that are obscene and foul. Now, if I talk to you like that, now I've contaminated you. 
That's not loving. That's not walking in love to you. I told them earlier, you know, I, I do struggle with at times. I, I like comedy. I like comedy my whole life. When I was a little kid, I didn't have rules on like most little kids can't listen to certain language. I didn't have rules like that. So I grew up. I could listen to Eddie Murphy raw and I had all the Eddie Murphy and I had all the Richard Pryor. And I, that's what I grew up as a kid. I loved listening. Back then it was it was tapes. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Ephesians, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, Paul explains that it doesn't matter where you come from or what you look like. What matters is that Christ unites us as one. In Jesus, we all belong. Do you ever let differences hinder you from having genuine relationships? Do you let cultures or skin color get in the way of Christ-like living? Paul knew that although differences can be difficult to process, unity is the heart of God. To be one with each other is to be one with the Father. We hope you continue to learn more from this book and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. We pray you continue to seek Jesus in all you do. Thanks again for joining us. And be sure to catch us next time right here on A Transforming Word.